David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.42 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 28th of January, 2020, and this is episode 188 of Bitcoin, and I got myself a picture. I did. Uh, Brecky Vaughn Bitcoin and the good people at Fold. Apparently, uh, I won the Fold contest a while back. I got like 500,000 Satoshis and a piece of art by Brecky, uh, which is really cool. It is a painting of the Fold uh, emblem with at the bottom scrawled in, in black is Sat's back. It's a piece. Of, it's all black on yellow. It's it's wonderful and things big too, man. It's like every bit of two foot by two foot. So like, you know, canvas, it's like on a really nice frame. It's not, you know, it's, it, I don't have it, uh, I don't have it framed, but the, uh, canvas is stretched across, um, uh, when you stretch, when you build a, a frame to stretch the canvas across, uh, I've seen some pretty shitty frames. This one is not a shitty frame. This is actually one of the very best frames I've ever seen canvas stretched on. Uh, man, I mean, it's like really high quality. And I kind of thought that Brecky was going to mail it to me just rolled up. I didn't think he was going to mail it to me uh, via FedEx in the frame. And I kudos to FedEx for not jacking that thing all up, man, because that thing arrived in like actually perfect condition. Not a scratch, not a bend, not a crack in the frame, not a loosening of the canvas. I mean nothing. That thing came to me pristine. Uh, Brecky is a damn fine Bitcoin artist, which makes him a damn fine artist altogether. Uh, the uh, Fold, or the F for the uh, uh, emblem of the uh, Fold app, is done in what I can only think of is, as what's called impasto my wife is an artist and she does a lot of stuff with impasto and this is thick. I mean, this like, it's, I don't know exactly what impasto is made out of, but you, you mix it with whatever paint you're actually going to paint with. And it ends up being really chunky. I mean, very chunky. And the, the way that the, uh, the fold is painted on or the F is painted on there, it kind of, man, it looks like flames. I mean, the way that the, the, the texture in the in in the impasto is done is just it's brilliant. Uh, so again, thank you to Fold and to Brecky Von Bitcoin because uh, this is now hanging proudly in my studio. And uh, e- even though it nobody else may care, I have a tendency to care about ambiance and acoustics in the studio. So even though you probably won't hear it like and it's it's uh, you know not ever going to be obvious the acoustics in this room have changed because the because my painting from Brecky is on the wall i know i know it, 
To me, it matters. To a lot of people, it doesn't. I get it. Let's move on to Torchlight. Torchlight, this was uh, uh, Hodel and Not updated us about five hours ago. The uh, torch has passed, it has been alive for nine days. It has crossed 51 countries. Uh, it has 148 participants. It is now worth 1.63 million Satoshis. And 1.28 BTC has been transacted in total across all of those uh, torch passes. Also, sadly, there is one final statistic. <laughs> the torch has five thieves, uh, which I believe breaks the record from last time. Um, the open noms apparently got the torch sometime yesterday or, yeah, uh, sometime yesterday. But I, I wanted to read it because I, uh, it, it's just the way that they put it is really great. Suddenly, out of nowhere... 1.5 million sats appeared on this node. <laughs> and then they've got a screenshot of the node accepting the torch. It's great, man. It's freaking awesome. Uh, so right now, where's the torch right now? Well, the torch is being held by Codeholic, C-O-D-E-O-H-O-L-I-C. He has the torch. Um, uh, Gesetto is the one that sent him the torch. And he says, I didn't grill him. But I did triangulate his location, checked out some of his commits, and made sure he was the same person across three different social media platforms. Gisetto decided to vet this this dude pretty hardcore, man. And at this point, you're going to have to because a meme may be being born about stealing the torch. I don't know. Uh, there is something to be said about uh, torch thieves. Uh, I will... <laughs> You might want to look back at Prometheus, who stole fire from the gods and gave it to mankind, representing our ability to have technology and all the problems that 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 ensues with that. The gods didn't really look favorably upon uh, Prometheus for that. So, yeah, he's he was kind of chained to a rock after that. But generally speaking, when you see uh, Prometheus depicted in uh uh, pictures, you know, drawings and, and or statues and whatnot. Uh, generally speaking, Prometheus is holding a torch. Um, I think there's something to be said about that. I'm not sure exactly how it fits with thievery, um, or at least, I mean, for us, Prometheus stealing fire from the gods was, I guess, good. I mean, other than, you know, if not, we're just going to be like, you know, we'd still be wearing sheepskin and chilling out in, you know, mud huts, I guess. But even then being, you know, technology to take the skin, the hide off of an animal and tan it and turn it into leather that we can wear and uh, being able to build shit with sticks and mud is actually kind of technology. So I guess we, even without that, we'd be sleeping outside, which would totally suck in the winter. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So, um, yeah, there, so yep, there's torchlight. Vital statistics. Uh, we've had a bump. Uh, let's see where we're at. Uh, okay, we're, we're hovering around the 9,000 mark. We've got an average of 9,078. 
We have a high. It's going to be over at uh, looks like Bit Assets going to be holding it at nine thousand and eighty one dollars, and we've got a low that's going to be over at Coinbase Pro at eight thousand, uh, or yeah, eight thousand nine hundred and seventy nine dollars. So I don't know, a good hundred hundred dollar trading range. Three hundred and thirty three thousand transactions have been done in the last twenty four hours, giving us a total an average transaction per hour of about and fourteen thousand. One point four million BTC were sent in that twenty four hour period. That's thirteen and a half billion dollars. That's billion with a B, representing eight point one four percent of its market cap. 61,000 BTC have been sent on average per hour with an average transaction value of 4.44 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.037 BTC or about $331. Block times are uh, they're normal 10 minutes per block and 0.18 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. 25 and a half BTC have been taken overall in the last 24 hours in fees. We have a 6.8% drop in hash rate. We are sub 100 exahashes, according to BitInfo charts. And the last commit to the code base was sometime yesterday uh, or to the GitHub repository, not necessarily the code base. Okay. Sometimes there's a commit to the code base, sometimes there is a commit to correcting somebody's stupid grammatical errors on a document. Okay. So don't get all, you know, too raw, raw about it. Ethereum is at 172. Bcash is at 367. BSV is at 293. Litecoin is at damn near 60 at 58.85. Ethereum Classic is, had almost hit 11. It's at 10.91. And Dogecoin kind of took it on the chin again. 0.0023 0.0023 is where it's at with 31 32,000 transactions it's beating litecoin and damn near rivaling ethereum classic but other than that yeah no 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 now my node uh my bitcoin node says that the hash rate is 104.368 exahashes per second we have moderately large uh, mempool at 7.9 megabytes, representing about 6,500 unconfirmed transactions. All of the blocks are oh, all the blocks are full. Yeah, there's a uh, uh, yeah every single one of them, all or at least every single one of the last ten. Let's just say that. Lightning, we have 11,184 nodes. We have 35,900 channels. We have a network capacity that is risen. Wow, 890 BTC are now in the liquidity pool, representing $8 million USD. 11 new nodes came online in the last 24 hours. And in the, let's see, number of new channels that came online was 116, which represents a 5.5% increase on a day-over-day basis. That's going to do it for Vitals. Let's start the uh, morning roundup with a little bit of uh, stupidity here. Oh, my God. University of Missouri has started using an app in order to track students' locations to measure attendance in classes. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is Blair Nelson writing for Campus Reform. 
and uh, privacy is is a big thing in in Bitcoin. So that's that's why I'm going into this a little bit. Uh, if anybody is in college, especially at the University of Missouri, uh, you might want to prick up your ears here for a second. New students at the University of Missouri will be required to participate in a tracking program designed to measure and enforce class attendance, according to a new report from the Kansas City Star. Uh, quote, a student will have to participate in this recording of, atten- of attendance, Jim Spain, vice Pro- provost for undergraduate studies at MU, said in a statement. Individual professors have to opt in to using the app, but once they do, students in those professors' classes will not be able to opt out. Spotter EDU, developed by a former basketball coach, is designed to monitor a user's attendance by pinpointing students within a classroom until they leave, providing continuous, reliable, and non-invasive attendance, according to the app's website. While the app ensures that students are in the classroom during class times, it claims it does not track students' locations anywhere else. Quote, We only care if students are in class during class. No GPS tracking means we can't locate them anywhere else, the app's website states. However, the app is not incapable of tracking students' locations outside the classroom. So that's all I'm going to read about that. But this is just freaking draconian. I mean, it forced. You are forced. And you're at the behest of your professor. If your professor decides that they don't like this crap, then they can opt out. But like this thing says, if they opt in, you're on the hook. So, you know, while I, you know, if you're going to spend the money going to college, you should go to class, but not under force, not under, uh, under the gaze of, of some kind of big brother. See, this is, this is bullshit. This is complete crap. This, this doesn't teach personal responsibility at all. It, it, it's, this is, I don't, you know what this is, is just for their funding. I, I guarantee it. More asses in seats, whether it's at a public school, um, like in a, a, a independent school district from like K through 12. And this is for the United States. Okay. It's, if you're listening to this in Belgium, it does not, it may or may not apply to you, but asses in seats is how the schools get money. And in K through 12, um, it's pretty insidious. Once you get into higher education, it's not as bad, but damn close. It's pretty damn close. So I guarantee you what this is, is really more about funding for the university than it is anything else. Although still damn draconian and the University of Missouri should be absolutely ashamed of themselves and all of their alumni should be shamed or should be ashamed uh, of their, their, uh, alma mater as well. That's just bullshit. All right. Moving into crypto. Poloniex's Bitcoin reserves are plummeting despite Justin Sun's best efforts. Decrypt.co's Daniel Phillips is writing this on the 22nd. Yeah, I know it's a little bit late, but you know, better late than never. Things are not looking good for cryptocurrency exchange Poloniex. According to a report by data analyst Coinmetrics, there are signs that Poloniex is shrinking massively as an exchange, despite the efforts of Tron CEO Justin Sun, who partnered with the exchange in November 2019 and has been promoting it relentlessly on his social media channels. No, he didn't partner with it. He bought it and he's running it into the ground. 
The report shows the amount of BTC held in Poloniex's on-chain wallet has practically collapsed in the last 18 months. It adds that the amount of BTC held by an exchange is widely used as a proxy for exchange activity. Since a low balance indicates a small number of users trading at the exchange, showing that the exchange is in poor health. Coincidentally, or perhaps not, the bulk of Poloniex's decline came after it was acquired by Circle in February of 2018. Shortly after, the exchange saw its BTC and Ethereum holdings fall to their lowest level since 2016 after being spun out to an Asian investor group that Sun says he isn't a part of. Yeah, that's bullshit. This is despite Circle claiming that it had made enormous progress with the exchange, including, quote, massive infrastructure improvements, adding more fiat options with USDC integration, end quote. In line with this, CoinMetrics checked the number of WebSocket API users and found a stark correlation. Not only has the amount of BTC held in its reserve dropped by more than, get this, 70% in a year and a half, but the number of API users has also fallen by a similar number and now sits at around 4,000 users online at any given time. This is further evidence that fewer traders are using the exchange. So yeah, Poloniex is just dying. And there's a, they have a graph up here that shows the uh, users online uh, over time uh, crossed with uh, BTC reserves over the same timeline. And both of them are just, my God, it's just embarrassing. And <clears throat> the, um, s- the slope of the line of BTC reserves uh, takes a real hit around the time that Justin Sun's group acquired Poloniex. Of course, he says he not not part of that group, but I'm pretty sure that that's just a bunch of bullshit. Uh, but yeah, the uh, slope of the line steepens uh, or or decline get, gets a, a really declining, much more declining steep angle on it than at. I mean, its decline was pretty much linear until that particular day when it just starts falling off a cliff. And man, it's 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 not looking good for Poloniex guys. Uh, Polonius looks like he got hurt pretty hard. Daily Hodel's staff is writing sometime this morning that Bitcoin is a super commodity that should be worth one to ten million dollars, says Kraken executive Dan Held. In a new blog post published on Medium, Kraken's director of business development, Dan Held, lays out a thesis for Bitcoin as a super commodity. The crypto exchange exec debunks the notion that Bitcoin's use of energy is wasteful and argues that the cryptocurrency's energy-intensive proof-of-work mechanism, which relies on cheap electricity to power its network of transactions, is part of a global cycle that has linked everything to energy and the consumption of energy. Held writes, quote, all things in our lives are closely linked to the price of energy. Well, sorry about that, guys. I, I got a, a message on my phone from my sister. Apparently her SIM card died. So I was kind of just, you know, telling her that her SIM card died. Anyway, let's get back into this. Purifying water requires energy. Transporting products requires energy. Manufacturing products requires energy. Cooking requires energy. Refrigerators and freezers require energy. In a free market, the cost of any good largely reflects the energy used in producing that good. Because free markets encourage the lowest price goods, the energy used in producing any good is minimized. Money, which is the representation of work required to generate goods and services, can also be viewed as stored energy. 
uh, end quote. <clears throat> Held breaks down the energy consumption of traditional systems that power fiat, calling the cherry picking of one usage of energy over another while everything requires energy subjective. Uh, this is a bullet point list. Annual cost versus gigajoules used. Gold mining, $105 billion for 475 million gigajoules. Gold recycling, $40 billion for 25 million gigajoules. Paper currency and mining, $28 billion for 39 million gigajoules. Banking system, $1.8 trillion and 2 million, let's see, was it 2,340 million gigajoules? Governments, $27 trillion at 5,861 million gigajoules. Bitcoin mining, $4.5 billion and 183 million gigajoules. <laughs> good, good mercy. Held also believes that as Bitcoin and the current markets remain obscure, operating with no widespread grasp of how they function, the price of BTC remains dramatically suppressed. He estimates that BTC, which is currently trading around 8,700, would shoot to 1 million all the way up to 10 million if everyone understood it. Uh, Bitcoin critics such as billionaire investor Mark Cuban continue to point out that it's too difficult for mainstream users to grasp with examples of how people unable to access their crypto due to lost private keys or confusion about passwords. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like subtweeting, man. But developers powered by startups as well as major players such as Jack Dorsey's Square Crypto are targeting real-world solutions for failing memories, scalability issues, and privacy concerns, describing the industry as being in its infancy. They claim that Bitcoin has much more headroom to grow and that novel infrastructure will solve the biggest challenges, making it a ubiquitous medium of exchange that is easy to use. Ads held, quote, POW is about physics, not code. Bitcoin is a super commodity minted from energy, the fundamental commodity of the universe. Proof of work transmutes electricity into digital gold. So that's not a bad way to go about looking at it. Of course, he's reiterating things that, that uh, us toxic maximalists have been saying for a while. Uh, but I liked how he organized the bullet point and has Bitcoin mining basically being uh, no, you know, I mean, it's we're over gold recycling and paper currency in the amount of energy that we that we use. Other than that, we're getting blown out of the water by gold mining, the banking system and government. Of course, government blowing everything out of the water because that's what governments do. They like to blow shit up. <clears throat> BTC price back at nine thousand. But no, coronavirus isn't good for Bitcoin. William Suberg is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Be, uh, where to go? Bitcoin may be gaining thanks to economic fear over coronavirus, but only up to a point. Analysts are concluding as the disease spreads. The cryptocurrency hovered at around $9,000 on Tuesday, capping 4% gains for the week in which coronavirus sent China into partial lockdown. Fears are now surfacing about the impact of the Chinese economic growth, while global signals also suggest investors are more cautious about the short term. For Cointelegraph markets analyst Matty Greenspan, the sentiment is already palpable. Uploading a chart of United States bond yields, he noted one-month performance delivered higher returns than the longer seven-year options. Quote, it means investors are expecting trouble in the short term, he explained in comments. Such 
economic uncertainty and unease on markets have often sparked increased bullish action for Bitcoin. As Cointelegraph noted, the Iran crisis earlier this month was just the latest geopolitical event that appeared to buoy, buoy the Bitcoin price. While Greenspan noted... Bitcoin remained a highly non-correlated asset. Mainstream media claims that Bitcoin was defying traditional markets and gaining purely on the back of coronavirus were widely panned. Yeah, it's because it was bullshit. A report by the Financial Times with the headline, Coronavirus is good for Bitcoin, came in for particular criticism. Notably, the report cited two random Twitter accounts dedicated to altcoin XRP as sources. Jeez. Oh, my God, for the Financial Times, no less. As Cointelegraph reported, Bitcoin has long exhibited increasingly strong technical fundamentals, which preceded recent price moves. Discussing the impact of coronavirus, trader, uh, trader Tone Vays nonetheless stopped short of agreeing with the idea that the disease could perpetually fuel further gains. If it were to spread internationally, for example, panicked investors would likely reduce speculative activity, meaning less interest in non-traditional assets such as Bitcoin. On the latest ep episode of his Trading Bitcoin YouTube series, Vays told viewers, quote, the coronavirus does bring some economic fear. So the fear that the coronavirus could start to spread is certainly helping the rise of Bitcoin versus hurting the rise of Bitcoin. Vays also noted that Bitcoin would need to stay above $9,000 for several days to cement its recent bullish gains. Meanwhile, data from Google Trends appears to underscore the lack of correlation between the crisis and Bitcoin, with search interest in the latter remaining comparatively flat throughout the past month. So they're just looking at, at, at Google's trends for searches of the word coronavirus and Bitcoin. Bitcoin is flat while coronavirus just goes boom all the way up to 100 on its interest over time graph. So yeah, this is the... I'm glad that other people are picking up on on the fact that this was, you know, the, the the entire linking of Bitcoin to coronavirus is just bullshit. I'm going one step further in saying that it's a program narrative, but, you know, it's not like I haven't been wrong before. But whatever, it, it gets worse because the BIS flips on digital currencies as 2020 report highlights the rapid rise of central bank testing new tech. This is the Daily Hodel staff writing sometime yesterday. The Bank for International Settlements is changing its position on central bank digital currencies, which are new forms of digital money issued by governments. They leverage digital ledger technology, which underpins cryptocurrencies to create digital representations of traditional fiat currencies. These currencies are designed to be portable and instantly transferable, moving money seamlessly by powering domestic and cross-border transactions around the clock. I might note personally that they are not immune to inflation like out the wazoo, but whatever. Continuing last March, Augustine Karstens, general manager of the BIS, dismissed the rise of digital currencies, asserting that central bankers were not compelled to revamp their monetary policies. Citing a survey of 60 central banks conducted by the BIS, Karstens concluded that CBDCs were unpopular. He stated, quote, very few central banks think it's likely that they will issue a CBDC in the short to medium term, be it retail or wholesale. Having looked into the matter, central banks have decided not to jump in, end quote. 
That position has emphatically changed. The BIS issued its most recent survey on banks, central banks on Friday entitled Impending Arrival, a sequel to the survey on central bank digital currency. The paper reveals that CBDCs continued to fuel discussion and debate. It updates last year's survey and concludes that central banks are increasingly testing the new tech. According to the report, quote, Our survey shows that central banks are undertaking extensive work on central bank digital currencies. Globally, emerging market economies are moving from conceptual research to intensive practical development driven by stronger motivations than those of advanced economy central banks. Central banks representing a fifth of the world's population say they are likely to issue the first CBDCs in the next few years, end quote. There are several scenarios that could play out, and central bankers are weighing all of the outcomes, including how CBDCs could either complement or entirely replace traditional money. Survey respondents representing 21 advanced economies and 45 emerging market economies that cover 75% of the world's population and 90% of its economic output show that 10% of central banks are likely to issue a general purpose CBDC in the short term, a twofold increase over last year. 20% expect to issue a CBDC in the medium term, and central banks collectively representing 20% of the world's population are likely to issue a general purpose CBDC in the next three years. As for the level of development, nearly 40% of central banks are moving to the next stage, pushing beyond conceptual research to real experiments, with 10% developing pilot projects. The researchers say the trend is growing. Quote, Ever more central banks are currently or will soon be engaged in CBDC work. Some 80% of central banks, up from 70%, are engaged in some sort of work, with half looking at both wholesale and general purpose CBDCs. And then they give a link to the uh, entire report. And you can go read it if you would like. I, I'm not all that interested beyond this particular article because I'm not a big fan of BIS or Augustine Carson's. Um, I, I do think it's, uh, it's telling that since last year when Augustine said that nobody's interested, that there was in fact interest and that that interest has doubled in a year, one single year amongst central bankers. We're not talking about freaking hot dog vendors. We're talking about the people that make the world roll. And it uh, looks to me like they're all going to be jumping in on this. Uh, much to the chagrin of Alex Jones, who has always predicted that, you know, cashless society was uh, the, you know, really evil. And I'm, I'm actually, to tell you the truth, I kind of agree. I don't like the whole cashless society. Is it because... I don't have cash in my pocket. Well, no, because I don't trust the cash that in my pocket that I have now. I trust something like Bitcoin. Why? Because it's leaderless, man. It's like, it's just kind of out there floating around, pissing people off all the time. And it's like, it's like, it's, it, it's like this thing that just floats around and trolls like the legacy everything system. <laughs> like it trolls the banking system. It trolls all the rest of the financial markets. It trolls retailers. It trolls wholesalers. It trolls everyone, man. It's like a giant troll. I love it. Uh, speaking of trolls, Tron CEO, Justin Sun hit with racial discrimination lawsuit. Robin, uh, Robert Stevens writing for decrypt.co yesterday says, 
Justin's son isn't a good boss, according to a court case brought against him by Axe employees of BitTorrent. The lawsuit describes Sun, the CEO of blockchain company Tron, and file-sharing client BitTorrent as physically violent and, wait for it, racist. All of this, according to court documents filed on October the 28th by Lukas Jarazic, 28, and Richard Hall, 50, former employees at Rainberry Incorporated, the operating entity behind Tron and BitTorrent, who are claiming $15 million dollars. Industry publication Coindesk first reported the news earlier today. Uh, Jurassic, a software engineer, said that Sun struck the head of engineering Kong Lee in a conference room in March of 2019. He reported the incident to his manager but said that Sun wasn't disciplined. Instead, the message was clear. Management wouldn't be reprimanded for things like this. Jurassic and Hall think they were fired by Sun last summer because they raised concerns that Tron was engaging in blatantly illegal, unethical, and unscrupulous business activities, such as piracy and the manipulation of cryptocurrency for his own profit. They allege that Sun discriminated against them on the basis of race. Jurassic and Hall are Caucasian, and they claim that Sun prefers mainland Chinese employees because he believes they are more likely to put up with illegal business practices and are willing to work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week, according to the tech hours common in Chinese tech companies dubbed 996. In a response filed to the court on December of 16. Or December 16th, Sun denied everything and said that their distress was the result of pre-existing psychological disorder or alternate concurrent cause. Hall and Jurassic told Decrypt they aren't able to speak about the case. Justin Sun and representatives of the Tron Foundation did not immediately respond to Decrypt's request for comment. (laughs) So, wow. He popped him on the head, man. And I saw another story about this, and uh, apparently it was he slapped either it was either the same guy or some other poor idiot that worked for for Justin Sun got slapped uh, in the face. So it may be the same person. I'm I'm not exactly sure, but dude, you got a manager like beating you, you know, beating you around. That's that ain't cool. But the other thing that's not cool is that even these guys are saying. That is, uh, was, uh, they were really concerned because of blatantly illegal, unethical, and unscrupulous business activities and the manipulation of cryptocurrency for his own profit. Gee, you think? You, you think? I mean, now, if only this had been an announcement of an announcement of an announcement, it would have been freaking perfect. But we're moving on to uh, uh, shitadels. Blockchain-based cities are on the horizon. This is Brave New Coins' Kieran Smith, or Kieran Smith, uh, writing sometime this morning. Smart cities of the near future will be based on sustainable technology, and blockchain has an important role to play. God, these... Most cities add technology as an afterthought, weaving new innovations into the existing urban fabric, but some new development projects can get ahead of the curve by building smart tech into the city from the ground up. These cities of the future will feature charging stations for electric vehicles, clever waste collection systems, and sensors that feed data to smart city algorithms. Some proposals are powered by cryptocurrency and can serve as a test bed for blockchain adoption. Hip-hop star Akon tweeted earlier this month that plans have been finalized for a crypto city just outside the Singalese capital, Dakar. 
the white paper is expected in February, and the project has been described by the tourism ministry as a sustainable ecotourism village that will run entirely on renewable energy and revolve around the use of Acon's cryptocurrency, Acoin. Uh, consumers will buy goods with Acoin from their smartphones which will theoretically encourage financial stability and stimulate the local economy. The idea is similar to Bancor, which launched a network of blockchain-based community currencies in Kenya in 2018. Quote, we want to make it a a free, sorry, we want to make it a free zone and cryptocurrency driven as a test market, said Akon to Newsweek. If it works, we will scale it out to all the other countries in Africa. Elsewhere, more detailed plans have emerged for another new city which could promote blockchain adoption. Toyota's Woven City concept is to be built on the site of a former production facility at the base of Mount Fuji and will serve as a showcase for self-driving cars, sensor-based artificial intelligence, and sustainable living, at least until Mount Fuji decides to blow its top. Volcanoes have a tendency to do that every once in a while. That's why you don't build shit at the base of volcanoes. You never know when they become not dormant anymore. My God. Blockchain is not explicitly referenced in the plans, but the Japanese car maker is a member of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance and is known to be exploring two blockchain-based projects, a system of communication between cars and road networks, and a network for trading electricity between individuals, businesses, and solar panels. Progress has been slow, however, for the blockchain-based smart city, which hit the headlines in 2018 when Ethereum millionaire Jeffrey Burns bought 67,000 acres of desert just outside Nevada with the goal of mixing theoretical uses of blockchain technology with real-world applications. It appears that the future is slowly coming into view. It just won't be evenly distributed, whatever the hell that is supposed to mean. Okay, so uh, a couple things. Don't, don't build cities at the bases of, of volcanoes. Okay, that's that Pompeii found that out. And they weren't even really at the base of the volcano. They were just close to it. Just saying. And two, if you're going to buy 67,000 acres of desert outside of Nevada to build a city, you may want to figure out where your water is going to come from because, surprise, Bitcoin doesn't fix that. I guess it could by piping water, but... There, uh, Lake Mead is is getting pretty low, guys. Um, it's not looking good out there for water at all. So I don't build cities in deserts unless you have a unless you have a known water source that's that is not going to dry up. And stay away from volcanoes. It's just words of words of advice. Crypto adoption mirrors the internet's early growth, says Deutsche Bank. Uh, This is Liam Frost writing for Decrypt.co. Deutsche Bank has published a new research paper on the future of payments in which it compares the growth of blockchain wallet users to the early stage evolution of the internet. According to the research paper titled Digital Currencies, the Ultimate Hard Power Tool, Man, I kind of like that. The ultimate hard power tool. Blockchain's adoption rate mirrors that of the internet in its early days, although its actual user numbers are an order of magnitude smaller. As Deutsche Bank charts illustrate, and backing up, they've got a chart here that shows essentially two curves that look almost exactly the same, um, except one curve is a little bit underneath the other curve. And of course, the, the curve that is higher up on the graph is uh, the full graph of internet, known internet users 
from the time of uh, uh, blah, blah, from the time of the internet starting to now, and when um, um, and then the uh, other one is the wallet user's number, and it is being projected to follow that path. However, it is only about it's only about one quarter of the length of the prior curve. So knowing what I know about predictions and shit, we don't really know anything. But let's continue anyway. The internet saw around 500 million users after eight years of its existence, yet cryptocurrency adoption numbers were roughly 10 times smaller during the same time frame, approximately 50 million. This 10x difference will remain steady for the foreseeable future, according to Deutsche Bank. While the internet reached around 4 billion people in less than 25 years, the bank predicts that crypto adoption will encompass approximately 300 million users at that point in its history. The overall tone of Deutsche Bank's report is optimistic, with the authors envisioning a near future in which cryptocurrencies gain broad acceptance. Despite the fact that relatively few people have bought and sold cryptocurrencies, the report predicts that if current trends continue, continue, there could be 200 million blockchain wallet users by 2030. However, for today's adoption rates to change, a catalyst is necessary. The report suggests that if the Chinese government, along with Google, Amazon, Facebook, or Apple, the so-called GAFA group, or a Chinese company like Tencent can overcome some of the barriers to cryptocurrencies, the cryptocurrencies could become more appealing. This, it suggests, will hasten the adoption of cryptocurrencies and give them the potential to replace cash. Deutsche Bank's sentiment is echoed by other researchers. According to a recent report by market intelligence and advisory firm Mordor Intelligence, oh, geez. the market for crypto hardware wallets is expected to grow at a rate of 24.93% over the next five years, reaching $708 million by 2025. That's backed up by a recent report from PNS Intelligence, which found that the projected market for crypto devices, including hardware wallets, blockchain smartphones will hit, or sorry, hardware wallets and blockchain smartphones will hit $23.5 billion by 2030, a whopping 7,700% rise. So yeah, um, I think it's, I think what we're, you know, what this, this order of magnitude less users really illustrates is the fact that you know, and we've we've talked about it before. We we talk about it all the time. In the first world, generally speaking, the money works pretty well. I mean, it it just does. But why do you still need Bitcoin? Because they're devaluing this shit every single day. It's worse in third world in third world places. I mean, clearly Venezuela, Argentina, Brazil. Uh, any pick very like a couple of, you know, a couple of fistfuls of African countries and they're in, you know, just as bad, if not possibly slightly worse, you know, dire straits. It's not really as much about the usage potential here as much as it is about the devaluing of our time is what it really all boils down to. Last year, I spent a certain amount of time making a certain amount of money. Next year, it won't be worth that much. So I'm not as much pissed off that they stole my money as much as they stole my time. All right, this is, and, and the thing about it is, is that people in the West are not at all immune to that when it gets to a point that they can feel it. It's, we've just been lulled into this weird comatose state uh, that it takes a lot 
you you gotta you gotta get beat the living shit beat out of you before you start feeling what the government is is throwing at you. But if you were on the outside looking in, what you'd be seeing is that you're getting manhandled, pummeled, thrown under buses, stabbed, shot, dropped out of airplanes, and thrown out of freaking buildings. That's what's actually going on. And at one point or another, when people figure that shit out in mass, uh, there you go. Now, why is it that the internet had so many more users? Because it wasn't, it really, I mean, what was it competing with? It was competing with libraries. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it was, well, actually it wasn't even really competing. It was competing with libraries, but it was like so much more. It was, it was a completely new thing to be able to talk to somebody or email them almost instantly, you know? Here, we're not as fascinated, like I am fascinated with being able to spend my time uh, writing, you know, a message to somebody and have them be able to get back to me and, and realizing that that person is in Russia or China or, you know, like uh, South Africa or Australia. So that's kind of fascinating, but it doesn't cost me all that much. I'm not going to just send money to people just because I can. I need to get something for it. It's still money. So there, there's a big difference between how the internet got all of its users and what's going on here. We're dealing here with money. The internet was a toy that really only cost you some time. And there was a lot of benefit from it. I mean, you, you could get all manner. And, and to this day, more so this, today than, than when I hit the internet in 91, right? Back then... God, I had to go, I had to jump through hoops just to get a couple of, get this, dot matrix printer to print sheets of guitar chords that I would find on an FTP site after finding it through a search engine called Gopher. Now, if you go back that far, then you're really OG on the, on the internet shit, man. But my God, it's not the same. It, in, in my opinion, this is kind of comparing apples to oranges. One, the internet is just a time thing and sort at the when especially in its early adoption kind of a toy. Even at its earliest inception, Bitcoin and well, until Laszlo bought pizzas, Bitcoin was is about money. Nobody here is just going to like dump 20 bucks or you know 200, 200 bucks like every single day just because they want to play with the toy. That's just stupid. So in my opinion, that's the difference. Moving on, local Bitcoin shuts down accounts in problematic countries. So yeah, there's local Bitcoins is acting like a complete douchebag. This is Anatole Antonovici writing for Bitcoinist.com sometime yesterday. Forbes reported on Saturday that users across at least three regions, including Asia, Africa, and the Middle East, had noted that their accounts had been deactivated. Local Bitcoins users in countries like Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Syria, and Nigeria received messages from the exchange operator that they were telling them they could take out their Bitcoin holdings by deleting their account. However, some users said they weren't able to access their funds. Exit scam. One Nigerian user who manages a three-year-old account told Forbes, quote, one of my customers was due to travel out of the country and had to sell some of his Bitcoin to be able to go only to notice on his way to the airport that he cannot even access his his funds. 
The source who insisted on remaining anonymous said that his customer's account had been shut down on Monday with no warning or notification that it might be reactivated. As per the messages seen by local Bitcoin's users, the exchange requires users in specific countries to pass through an enhanced due diligence process. However, no further details came out on what specifically that process is about. Interestingly, most of the targeted countries have been struggling with civil wars or economic problems. Last year, we reported how local Bitcoins was shutting down accounts of users from Venezuela. Unlike major exchanges like Binance or Coinbase, local Bitcoins is a peer-to-peer venue. Doesn't sound like it to me, guys, but whatever. Where crypto traders can directly exchange digital currencies between themselves, including by arranging physical meetings. Most of the transactions can be done anonymously, at least to a certain degree. The exchange came out in 2012 and is operated from Helsinki, the capital city of Finland. Local Bitcoins couldn't be reached for comment on the situation. However, some onlookers hinted that the suspensions might be related to the new anti-money laundering regulations in the European Union, which came into force earlier this month. Maybe, maybe not, guys, but local Bitcoins is uh, fast becoming a non-starter for lots of people in the world. Uh, Somebody's going to have to replace this mess. This is why really, um, if if at all possible, like a BISC, if there's, there's, got to be somebody in the wings who's who's you know going to figure out how to decentralize this shit and not have a base of operations i mean if you have a base maybe it's a sailboat in the in the caribbean or something where you can move around i don't know but in either event the more times that we see people who office out of a physical address and the more times those people are like shut down the more and more impetus it's going to be for people to take matters into their own hands and get this shit like this truly decentralized. Stop having offices and places, people. Uh, Bitcoin's rally pushes its social engagement through the roof. This is Prishu Garg writing for Cryptoslate.com sometime this morning, breaking through the $9,000 mark seems to have pushed Bitcoin's engagement through the roof. According to data from Lunar Crush, Bitcoin's social engagement has marked another 2020 high with almost 320 million unique engagements, and it shows no sign of stopping. A strong bullish wind has pushed Bitcoin's price over the dreaded $9,000 mark, with analysts now predicting that attempts to set a daily high above 9200 could push the next resistant point up to as much as ninety-five to 9600 The much-awaited price spike has brought conversations about Bitcoin to the spotlight. While the world's largest cryptocurrency has almost always been the most discussed one, this week's rally seems to have brought the engagement through the roof. According to data from crypto analytics firm Lunar Crush, Bitcoin social engagement has reached its 2020 high with almost 320 million unique engagements. The company defined the metric as the total amount of posts, comments, retweets, and favorites across all data sources. Almost all of the other social metrics it tracks for Bitcoin have also been on the rise in the past month. Data has shown that apart from the overall social engagement, the volumes on all social media, including Twitter and Reddit, all spiked on January the 18th. Apart from a few minor downturns, the metrics have all continued to rise, and the uptrend is expected to continue in February. While data has shown that everybody is talking about Bitcoin, it's equally important to note that what they're talking about, data from Lunar Crush has shown that the overwhelming majority of social engagement regarding Bitcoin was positive. 
The company found that 74% of the overall social sentiment across all collected posts is bullish. It's interesting to note that while there has been a lot of a lot less bearish sentiment in the past month, it was surprisingly related to Bitcoin's price spikes. Uh, almost half of the engagement is estimated to come from people between the ages of 25 and 34 years old. Data from Coindance has shown a quarter of the engagement comes from those between 34 and 44 years of age, while only 10% comes from those born between 1965 and 1975. However, very few women seem to participate in the rising engagement, as Coindance data estimates that only around 12% of Bitcoin's community engagement comes from women, which I, I don't know, man. I'm not even going to worry about that shit. Uh, but yeah, bullish. I mean, why not? Why lightning payments aren't clicking for porn companies just yet. Yes, sir. Everybody's favorite discussion on the internet about porn. The question is, does the internet have enough porn? Apparently, the answer is always going to be no. Leah Kuhn, writing for Coindesk.com sometime, oh God, I don't know, it was sometime this morning. Bitcoin may finally achieve broader traction through the adult entertainment industry in 2020, but the chip's aren't stacked in his favor. So far, typical sex industry businesses like London's 23 Paul Street Strip Club said last June, the venue stopped accepting Bitcoin because customers simply weren't paying with it. But the Lightning Network, a layer on top of Bitcoin used for faster transactions with lower fees, may now be ready to facilitate broader payments for online platforms. Iterative Capital's Escher project offers fiat on-ramps to the Lightning Network, with other projects like Zap offering similar functionality. There are now service providers to feed a fledgling demand for Lightning channels. <clears throat> According to Veronica Mishura, marketing manager at the payment processor CoinGate, her startup processed 1,400 Lightning invoices in 2019 for clients like adult industry sites Live Jasmine and Coup meat. Oh my God. With the average payment being worth around 12 euros, a live Jasmine spokesperson confirmed the site does receive lightning payments for porn, although he declined to specify details. Quote, we don't offer payouts in crypto and we don't track the content per payment method, he added. There is certainly room for growth in the adult entertainment industry as Pornhub famously had trouble paying performers with PayPal in 2019 and now lets performers cash out with Tether. God. Ugh. Instead, Z-Man, otherwise known as Z-M-N-S-C-P-X-J, a pseudonymous Bitcoin researcher who recently received a grant from Jack Dorsey Square Crypto, said he expects privacy-enhancing mixing services to become a more popular part of the Lightning economy. Quote, improved privacy is always desirable and people will pay for such. Minimal compared to mixer fees, ZMNSCPXJ said, adding that channel fees and transaction costs, oh, I'm sorry, will be minimal compared to mixer fees. Uh, Blockstream's lightning expert, Rusty Russell, said in Q1 of 2020, his team is working on making our payment paths less predictable, which improves privacy, along with setups that can help business, businesses transition from paying with lightning to relying on lightning. Oh, Wow. He believes porn is an obvious avenue for lightning usage, given the high rate of credit card chargebacks, but he added at the moment it makes more sense as an experiment for such sites given our small user base. BitRefill CCO John Carvalho, who formerly ran the adult entertainment company XO Media, said lightning payments can work in the adult industry, but not in any major capacity anytime soon. 
namely Carvalho said, because video monetization software is expensive to build at scale and erotic content creators aren't offered access to some popular site hosting services. Few services providers will work with porn companies, at least at the same rate, which contributed to why some started accepting cryptocurrency in the first place. But these sites generally use internal credit systems, accepting Bitcoin or credit card payments for centralized credits. Spankchain CEO Amin Soleimani said, although his Ethereum startup was one of the first companies to put payment channels into production, they promptly shifted gears because there's still a lot of work to be done around watchtowers, wallet integrations, and merchant integrations before it can reach critical mass quote while crypto natives gave us a lot of support for being payment channel pioneers normal users couldn't care less they want a product that just works and with spank pay we've discovered or rediscovered that zero confirmation instant payments are the way to go for fiat competitive checkout systems jesus uh my god Some Bitcoiners are still altogether skeptical about Lightning, regardless of payment channels. Bitcoin itself has plenty of privacy kinks to work out. (laughs) Ha ha, kinks, get it? I love it. An anonymous Samurai Wallet co-founder behind the privacy-focused Bitcoin wallet that powers the nodal mixing feature said his own open-source team has no interest in Lightning because mainstream adoption is a poison pill. Hmm. Perhaps an illustration, perhaps as illustrated by the companies like Live Jasmine that don't offer erotic performers the chance to hold their own crypto. Quote, Bitcoin is in danger of replicating the system it set out to destroy, he said. I also don't see retail mass adoption pickup. That's a blessing in disguise, and we should embrace that. Beyond adult entertainment, Mishuru said CoinGate also processed payments for Habiset Cafe in Oslo and usage is trickling down from tech experiments to rare customers. Open Nose head of marketing Ryan Flowers said his startup processed over 68,970 lightning invoices received and 38,986 payments sent in 2019. Most lightning oriented startups, including Carvalho's BitRefill and Flowers Open Node, are focused on expanding their pool of merchants in 2020. As it stands, Lightning Analytics site 1ml.com tallies at least 11,174 nodes online in a network capacity exceeding $7.8 million. That's why Lightning advocates believe broader commercial usage of the network beyond isolated experiments could be on the horizon. Quote, the network is uh, definitely becoming more liquid over time. If you're going to pay a merchant, it makes sense that they don't see your whole transaction balance or history. So far, small groups of merchants accept lightning payments, mostly for the curiosity factor. But since those adult performers and adventurous merchants rarely cash out in crypto, it's still too early to see any significant benefits. Quote, usability, thanks to something like Lightning Wallet Phoenix, is now good enough that more people can try it. Bitcoin Core contributor Shores Provost said, noting that the last merchant rush followed the 2014 bull market, but hasn't revived since. So maybe if there's a price spike, we'll see more merchants trying it. Then we'll see if it sticks. Yeah, well, we're going to probably have to throw this shit up against the wall three or four times, people. It's not just like a slam dunk all the time. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Last thing I'm going to say is that uh, we had read a story or I read you a story earlier uh, this morning about the treasury bonds Um or there's something in in a story related to the the treasury bonds and what that was relating to was the fact that the United States treasury yield curve measured by the gap between yield on three month and 10 year bonds briefly inverted on Tuesday for the first time since October. What does that mean? 
Uh, that's not good. This is the second time. Let's see. In a quarter. Okay, let's say two quarters. The second time in two quarters that the yield bond curves have inverted. And that's never good. Uh, with that, that's going to do it for your morning roundup. All right. So in this space, we off about, we often talk about taint, tainted coins. We don't know if Satoshis have the ability to be tainted, although I'm pretty sure they do. Uh, tainted nodes, possibly tainted everything. So, uh, so I figured since everybody's talking about it, we'll talk about tainted love. So tenderly with the burning
Sometimes a daily train wreck reflects the very best of what the daily train wreck is all about. This one, this one is at the top of the list, man. I, I've been doing the daily train wreck for a while, and frankly, it, it's not often. It is very rare to come across something that is this perfect for a train wreck. Um, this is brought to you by Eleanor Saita, otherwise known as at Dymaxion or D-Y-M-A-X-I-O-N. And you probably don't want to bother searching for her on your Twitter account if you're signed in because chances are real good you're already blocked. I had no idea who this woman was. And when I tried to go see the uh, the tweet uh, that everybody was talking about, I was blocked. I had, ne- as far as I know, Never had a single interaction with this woman, ever. I was already blocked. She apparently blocks everybody. I don't know how she has any followers because how they're all not blocked, I don't know. In either event, on the 27th of January, yesterday, Eleanor took to her keyboard to drop this nugget. If you work in Bitcoin in 2020, you deserve to have all of your assets seized to pay for climate reparations should extend to all historical earnings. Likewise, if you work in fossil fuels, of course. Climate reparations. I don't understand these people. I just, I, it's, I mean, the whole reparations, uh, you know, that brings me, you know, that reminds me of that Dan Held thing we were reading a little bit earlier about the amount of, of gigajoules of electricity that governments use. But I don't, I don't see her uh, going after them. So I don't know. Anyway, that was a that was beyond perfect. I got really nothing else to say other than just how perfect that particular train wrecked really was. All right, let's go ahead and skate right on into a nice little joke because God knows after that smoldering pile, we're, we're going to need one. Dad says jokes gives us this little one. If anyone gets a message from me about canned meat, don't open it. It's spam. Yikes. That's bad. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.